Crippled Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability, with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark, with Andrew Gerza, shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by the worker owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carry sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Get free shipping at www.comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Let's shine a bright light on sex and disability together. Connect with me on Twitter at Andrew Gerza, that's A-N-D-R-E-W-G-U-R-Z-A, and use the hashtag DisabilityAfterDark. Hello, hello there. Thank you so much for coming to Disability After Dark and clicking on this episode. Really happy to have you here and really happy to shine a bright light on sex and disability with you. So let's get started today. One of the things I like the most about the job that I do as a disability awareness consultant is telling my story. I think that I being given the chance to create a platform for myself to share my story is great. And I'm really, really glad that I could do that. But there's something deeper than that that's more important to me than even telling my story. I like sharing the stories of others and hearing how they feel about sex and disability. I love it when I can sit with somebody and just chat, when the interview just flows and when it's fun and playful and relaxed, and we can just have a real conversation with real people living with disabilities or chronic illnesses, sharing their stories. That to me is really, really powerful, and that's what today's episode is going to be about. For this episode, I talked to somebody named Peter Morley. I initially met him through the other podcast that I run, Disability with Drew. He was a part of our Disabled in Drumblandia episode where we talk about Trump being president. And during that interview, during our pre-interview, we talked about his experience. He's a queer man living with lupus and living with a whole host of other issues that he's contending with, lupus, kidney disease, things like that. So we kind of talk in this episode about his experiences navigating queerness and chronic illness and disability. Um, we talk about his experience growing up and que- growing up and being queer in the 80s in New York, which was so fun to listen to. We talk about hitting on nurses. I'm pretty sure we flirt with each other for a majority of the interview. Um, it was really, really fun to record. He's a really fun guy, and he's somebody who I think whose voice for the chronic illness and lupus and kidney disease community could really people need to listen to him he's got a lot to say he's funny he's sweet it was a really really fun simple interview and it was great because it flowed really well we didn't there we didn't really have a set topic we just kind of chatted and it was really great to do that with him just a bit of a technical heads up there was a little bit of audio issues in this episode when i was listening to it over when i record sometimes because of my cp i move my head inadvertently away from my mic which means that sometimes my voice fades in and out. So there was a touch of that. 
So just be aware of that when you're listening. But I'm excited to share this interview with you with Peter Morley right here on Disability After Dark. Okay, so wait, wait. I listened to that Disability After Dark intro and I feel like I should be saying Disability After Dark a little bit sexier than I am. So let me try that again. I'm excited to share this interview with you with Peter Morley right here on Disability After Dark. Is that better? Is that hotter? Let me know. Tweet me about it. But here's the interview, guys. Enjoy. Peter Morley, thank you so much for coming on Disability After Dark. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. It's 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 it, it's a little light here, but I'm going to bring a little darkness to the to the podcast today. Some dirty, some dirty darkness. A to little, the a little dirt, a little, yes, a little bit. I see what I All can right. do. See what I can well, do. that that works. I'm down for that for sure. So I told the audience a little bit about before we started. I kind of did a little pre intro intro on who you are. And why I wanted you on the podcast. Can you oh boy. introduce <laughs> yourself to the audience? Uh, it, oh, sure. Um, I, you know, as far as my sexual introduction, I mean, I, in what way would you like me to introduce myself? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were ready to just jump right in there. I'm trying. Um, I'm just, you know, like, I just want to make sure I give you what you want. That's, you know. Wow. I feel like there's a lot of innuendo happening there. Yeah, a little um, bit. Uh, well, um, <laughs> yeah. Obviously, I like to please, so that's you know. Wow. That's okay. Scary, yeah. Well, right there. Well, why, <laughs> do you start, why do you start with who you are and what you do and 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 you know your level, your disability, if you want, whatever makes whatever kind of identifiers you want to use to describe yourself. Go ahead. Okay. It's just that's a lot. That's a lot of pressure. Um. I, Tell me, right, I, I don't, all right. Okay. I don't, I don't like to, I mean, me personally, I don't like to define myself as being disabled. I am disabled. I am disabled. And, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, it, it is a part of my life. It's a big part of my life. And, you know, I was disabled in, in 2007 from, um, back surgery that was, uh, it, there's actually a diagnosis for it in the States called, um, failed uh, spinal fusion surgery. Um, And I was unable to work because I worked at a desk job and worked in research and I wasn't able to be employed. So I had to go on uh, what they call here social security disability, which was a very humbling experience. Um, And during that time, over the next couple of years, while I, I dealt with the pain management and actually attempted to go back to work at some point, and unfortunately that didn't work out, um, wasn't able to get that together. But I received di- several different diagnoses, such as uh, kidney cancer in 2011. Then in 2013, I was diagnosed with lupus. And... Um, otherwise known as SLE with which I still like I I know like the words stands for systemic lupus and then the other word I cannot pronounce erit something but I'm sorry I should know what what uh what is what I am suffering from but lupus is a much okay. lupus is a much easier way to say it um and in 2014 I, I had a benign pituitary tumor that I had removed and I had it. Um, I had to have um, fluid drained from from my brain again in 
2016. So it was. That sounds really sexy. All of that it's is so sexy. sexy. You know, my image, you know, I've been in the hospital now so many times, you know, for the surgeries, you know, they, these, these of course are not like, you know, back surgeries, you know, they could do a lot of same day surgery. Now they could do like hip replacement, same day surgeries, knee replacement, same day surgeries, but you know, they can't do kidney surgery where you get, um, I had a partial nephrectomy in my right kidney and, you know, they can't do that. You know, that's just anybody not knowing who what a nephrectomy is. It's, uh, they actually take part of your, well, a partial is, I, I had about a quarter of my kidney taken out, but you can actually have a full nephrectomy, which is a full removal of your uh, kidney. And basically my idea of, you know, being in the hospital used to be like, you know, from the movies, like, oh, it was sexy and it was fun and you had people around you and you got candy and what flowers. Did you ever, what movie Every did you movie. ever watch when it was what? sexy? And, okay, hey, all right, wait a second. Sigourney Weaver in Working Girl, when she breaks her leg and she has like that party and she's popping champagne and, and they're like, the doctors are like flirting with her and, you know, she's like sitting there and she looks beautiful. I'm like, that's what I imagined. Like being in the hospital would be so like, I'm basically like, basically what you're saying is you want to be Sigourney Weaver having a party in the hospital room. Well, not necessarily Sigourney Weaver. Although we're, I think she may actually be a little taller than me. Um, but you know, that, that's what I imagined. It was fun. And, you know, it was like a vacation and, you know, it was, it was sexy, right? Sexy. We're going back to the topic at hand. Yeah, it was sexy. And, and, you know, the doctors would, you know, like flirt with me and, you know, like, you know, I, I would I've be flirted with a couple of doctors. I've yeah. flirted with a few doctors in my day. I'm not gonna lie, I've been there. Now, like, are these doctors that were treating you, or are they doctors like that weren't treating you? Because I Both. have okay, wow, that's that's you know, I've listen when they when they because I've had spinal I've had spinal fusion surgery too. Mine wow. was relative relatively successful, so I know. Well, that's awesome. I know I kind of know what it is that you that what it is that you were going through with that initial one um they pump you so high with morphine and all these things and demerol and you're high as a kite so you're gonna say whatever it is that you need you're just high i was 16 and i was high as a kite from the surgery and they had all these good looking nurses and doctors in the room and i would just say things like you're hot. We should totally get together. Oh my It'll god! Be great if you took your clothes off right now. Yeah, that's just high out of my. Yeah, that you know, my my best friend is. You guys are very similar because he had a procedure one time where he. I I can't really. I don't want to disclose. I mean, I don't mind disclosing my own medical conditions, but let's just say. It was a pain in the ass. And um, he had a procedure and he basically said to the doctors, I just want you all to fuck me. And, you know, that's, you know, that's definitely one of the wonderful effects of pain medication. And I have to say, it makes you say all the things you're really feeling, but you never would say it. And then your inhibitions are down. And you're like, all right, well, I guess I'll just say it. Do you want to hear something like that's, that's kind of awful? I mean, I'll just say it, but yeah. I actually am allergic to morphine. And when me I, too. You, so. are, you, you, what, what happened to me was I started getting really sick and throwing up 
after my surgery for, and they found out that it was the morphine, um, the pain management, um, whatever that thing is called, the apparatus and a part and, and yeah, the pump, the, the pump. Thank you. The pain pump. And there's, there's, there's an actual like medical term. I'm pretty good with medical terms now because I think that's very important that, you know, your you know, like the, like your diagnoses, you know, like you can, I try to speak like the doctors, you know, like I try to speak to them on that level because they like it. And then, you know, you can like, you can, I don't know, you, it's like speaking like pig Latin or something, you know, like you speak like a complete other language. Um, anyway, let's go. Well, you're you're able to talk to them about, you're able to talk to them about, you know, their, what they do and you're able to convey what you need with them. So yeah. But I mean, back to yeah, you know, back to like a, right, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So I. So, so, do you did you flirt a lot with the doctors when you were in the hospital? I, you know, I didn't. I didn't really think about it, but I did. You know, one like I decided. You know, getting back to the whole Sigourney Weaver. You know, that's like you asked what movies, right? There, I'm sure there are a few others. It probably was like a Barbara Stanwyck movie. Um, but yeah, it was big in the eighties to like, to like, yeah, yeah, it was, well, I mean, you know, it's, it's really so like I brought, like, I thought like I would need like a different outfit for every day I was in the hospital. So like, I, you know, I packed like a pretty big bag and I had like this pair of American apparel, like really tight, like, um, uh, sweatpants. I mean, you know, people normally wear like sweatpants because they're looser, but not me. I wore them because they were tight. And then, like, I'm walking to show off your bulge to the. <laughs> well, I don't know what I was thinking. I thought, like, well, you know, I thought like it would be really sexy and make me feel good if I wore like tight American apparel, like sweatpants. So, you You're know, like, hey, look at my, look at my, look at my bulge, docs. Like. <laughs> I like, is that what you were thinking? I wasn't honestly. I wasn't even thinking that. All I know is that uh, you know, as part of the therapy, you know, they they bring you to the you know to room. They want to make sure, like in in at least in the states, they want to make sure that you can like pass a few tests before you can, you know, they um, discharge you from the hospital. So this was during my spine surgery. So you know, I walked up a couple of like steps and and did a couple other things. And the last thing was walking up and down the hall. Meanwhile, I'm walking up and down the hall and I have like this huge camel toe, you know, because my pants, the sweats are so tight and I'm like a camel toe. And like the, 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 um, physical therapist, like she knew I had a camel toe and she's like, she couldn't stop looking at it. And, you know, that was not my intention, but so well, that's, why didn't she just tell you that you had a good <laughs> I, I I think she was trying to be nice and I was I was a little I was feeling good because I was gonna go home and you know and as you probably know being in the hospital is not a very sexy thing and you know you do try to make the best of it. So Well apparently apparently you tried to make apparently you were trying to make it a sexy thing to be in the hospital. That I, was kinda of your goal is to be like I'm I gonna tried. be the sexiest bitch in the hospital. You I know? tried. I yeah. I failed I failed miserably. In retrospect, it sounds a lot better than it was, trust me. It was not I can laugh about it, you can laugh about it now. I, I applaud you to laugh about it, but it was not sexy. It was not sexy. But I'm glad I'm glad my camel no, the hospital my, is not no, my I, I was gonna say my, I'm glad my camel toe could come to good use. 
So. <laughs> yeah. that, so in your in your form yes which i which i i liked because it was super funny and you're, thank you're, you you're full of you're full of hilarious shade that you should share more with the world um in the form you sent me before we started recording you were telling me about your life at 15 um yes no i know where the story's going and i, and I kind of want you to can you elaborate on your life at 15 well, you know, um, I would I would say that like any like probably fifteen year old, you know, male or female. I mean, I was definitely aware of sex, you know, at at a at a young age, and and I grew up in in you know Manhattan, and I my father had had moved to Los Angeles, so I split my time, you know, between New York and Los Angeles. I mean, like the two biggest cities in the States. And, you know, I was aware of like, you know, sexy people and, you know, like, you know, sexuality and, you know, all those things. But, you know, being a gay teenager, you know, you don't know where to get it, you know. And I happen to live near a park, which, you know, is where the mayor of New York City resides and still resides and there's a huge cruising area there that you know I discovered at 15 which was probably in retrospect very dangerous for a 15 year old to venture into the park at you know 10 o'clock at night um Oh, yeah, there's probably a lot of things. There's probably a lot of rules that were broken. And oh yeah, of, like, well, social though, mores that you totally yeah. Well, let's. I mean, let's just let's put everything in perspective. This is like 1984, 85. Okay, you know, I mean, I'm I'm 47 and a half, and you know. You know, I I mean, I saw when you were born. I was you were born like either the same month or the month before Ghostbusters came out. I mean, that's like that. I mean, I was cramming for my biology test when you were born. So, you know, it's, it's just, it's like amazing. Just, I, I, I have just, a feeling that's not the, I have a feeling that's not the only thing you were cramming for. Though, yeah, you know? I was, you're right. You're right. You're right. Let's get back to the park. Okay. So, I mean, Mayor, Co <laughs> May May Mayor, Mayor Koch, who is our mayor at the time, Edward Koch, who you probably have either heard of or know, and now he has a bridge named after him here. Um, he, you know, I mean, I knew the name of his cook's dog, and I'm not saying, I'm not insinuating that I did anything with Mayor Koch. Um, it just was part of the park. I just tried I to paint the I picture. Are you insinuating that you did something with his cook? Because uh, no, but I, he. Well, I you know you know it's I, I you know I'm I really I'm so bad at communicating sometimes. Gracie Mansion, where is the which houses the mayor um, in Manhattan for the mayor of New York City? Um, he, there's there's like a, a gated fence around it that and at the time it, it was wrought iron and there was a dog there and you know. In between my quote unquote cruising, I would go and play with dogs. I love dogs. And, you know, I found out, you know, that it was the his cook's dog. And, you know, that's what I would do in between my sexcapades. You know, I would, 
you know, I, I believe, I can't remember, but it was either the dog or the cook was named Archie. I don't remember. I think it was the dog. I don't remember, but it's not important. It really isn't important. Um, but, you know, there were lots of bushes there and there are lots of sexy men who, you know, you know, I was obviously too young to go to bars. Um, I was not out to my friends, even though they probably all knew I, you know, this was my place of refuge that I would go. And, you know, I mean, I have to say, you know, I was pretty educated about HIV, but I was definitely more into oral sex. So maybe, you know, I, I, I mean, I was fortunately, I mean, I'll put this into like, I mean, it is, I mean, in retrospect, this is very fun to like look back at because I'm glad that I was that free, sexually experimenting teenager. But, you know, yes, thank goodness I never got, uh, you know, a, a, an STD because I easily could have. Thank goodness, you know, I wasn't bashed, which I easily could have been. I mean, there were so many. I mean, you know, those were the realistic things that were going on at the time and you brought about rules. Well, there weren't that many rules. The park was open 24 seven, you know? So, you know, there was no rules about going to the park at like 10 or 11 o'clock at night. I mean, yeah, of course there were rules about, you know, giving a guy a blowjob in the bushes. Sure. But there wasn't rules about, you know, being in the park at 11 o'clock, you know, I mean, as long as you didn't get caught, it was great. There's still rules. There's still rules about that now, but I think we we find ways to you know yes. to subvert them. Yes. Well, I used to I used to think how many like different guys can I be with in one night? You know, my record only got to three. So, and you know, and it consisted of you know jerking off a guy or being jerked off or you know sucking guy. But most guys wanted to suck me. So I mean, which was fine. You know, I mean, it, I I wasn't discriminate discriminating the vacuum might have a big dick um i don't think it's big i maybe i guess you know it's bigger than more normal or normal or whatever you want to say i guess i've seen i've seen enough dicks you can say i've seen enough Guys like my dick because it's not it's not too big it's not too small they say it's like Goldilocks it's just right so they like it so like say I have the yeah they say I have the perfect dick but I you know I you know nobody thinks they have the perfect dick I always wanted to be bigger you know I do yeah, right I, yeah I, right I have it yeah you right well you but I, I would say that I would say that you have some competition there because I think I might have the perfect dick. So we're gonna have to compare and contrast later. I okay. We 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 can we can we can compare notes. But um, you know, being with guys like that, I mean, it, it gave me that sexual freedom. You know, it it was it was awesome. It was like it made me. I mean. I would have to say at that age, like it defined me, it defined like, you know, I mean, I cannot divulge any names, but I was 
like on the cusp of being with the, no, or should you uh, no i won't but i was on the cusp of being with the quote unquote or whatever it's not even a quote unquote all the time he was a celebrity but um i think he still is and i had no idea who it was he was an incredibly sexy handsome man and and you know he you know you know I would tell people that I was 17. Like to me, that was like, you know, that's legal in New York. Right. Cause he asked how old I was and he thought it was so cute that I was 17 right. and I was out there. Right. I mean, he must've been like probably 28, 29 years old, which to me was like the perfect age at that time. And, um, you know, it was a Saturday night, you know, here I am like flirting with this guy in the, in the park and, you know, we're chattering and, He's like, you know, what are you doing tomorrow morning? And literally, I was going ice skating, right? And I was like, well, I'm going ice skating. And, you know, it's Sunday. And I thought, again, from the movies, oh, I'm like, I said to him, well, why? Did you want to have brunch or something? Like, that's what I thought people did on Sundays, right? Um, you know, at 15. Oh, like you wanted to have a little time with him that wasn't, yeah. Right, cute, right. And you know what he said to me? No, I just thought we just stayed home and I'd have you, you know, like that's like, I'll never forget that line. Never forget that line. And about and a, it's a, like a pseudo celebrity. It is. From, it was a few days later, or a week later. Within a week later, I was watching Entertainment Tonight, which, like, I mean, I know it's still on the air, but like, I think um, Mary Hart, Mary Hart, Hart, it was the jam. It oh, was, yeah, yeah Mary, yeah, Mary Hart was was just starting, and there was an interview with this guy, and I was like, oh my god and at the time again i was not out to my to my i was my mom you know and dad were obviously divorced since my previous story which i neglected to say that and my dad lived in los angeles my mom in new york and i lived with my mom obviously and you know i had my own phone line but my mom this was before i didn't even have an answering machine okay there was no voicemail no answering machines my mom when i wasn't home would pick up my phone no I, iPhones. No iPhones, no nothing. So I actually gave, because I had my own line, okay, which was a big thing that back then. This is before caller ID, call waiting, call anything. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, it, it, I remember, yeah. My my sister had her own line, and we all freaked out. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. It's and So I gave this guy my number, and I said, if anyone picks up besides me, hang up. Because there was no star 69, right? You cannot, and no caller ID. You could not, you would not know who this person is unless you call the police and got a trace or the FBI. So, so I got home from ice, I got home from ice skating, right? The next day on a Sunday, I got home from ice skating and I said, I, I was like, uh, and you know, I was like, I waited by the phone, like for like five hours. And then my mom says to me later that night on Sunday night, she's like, you know, it was the strangest thing today. I got a phone call or you got a phone call on your line when you were out and they just waited a, like a second and then they just hung up. And I was like, oh, and guess what? He never called back. Never called back. I was so disappointed. And since so, when I found out. I, when I found out who it was, I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. So, anyway, not, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. well, you're going to have to tell me when, when 
I will. Tell me I will. We're not recording who it is because I want to know. If you uh, if you swear to me that you awesome. will, you you keep it, take it to the grave. So I will tell you. I will keep it to my in my to my grave to my crippled grave. I will keep it. Don't worry. Um. So basically, you were a proud slut. I was. Days. I was. I, I was. I support that. Um. Good. Good. Uh. And so, given you know the trajectory of your life and the disabilities that have come with with what's all that's happened to you, how? Kind of from that fifteen-year-old kid that was sleeping with pseudo celebrities in a park. <laughs> so awesome! I'm so no, he wasn't a pseudo celebrity. Uh, okay, he was a how, real celebrity. Sorry, I just have to stick up for him. So, okay, all right. <laughs> he was a real. All right, all right. That's fair. When I find out who it is, I'll probably agree. So you were having sex with celebrities in parks. So <laughs> jealous. Not fair. Um, awesome. So, given all the stuff that's happened to you in your life, with all the disabilities and all the illnesses that have come on, how kind of, you know, has your life, has your libido changed? Has it changed? I mean, you sound pretty, to be honest with you, you sound pretty sexual, which I think is great. I think you, like, I, I can still, and I know a bit about your story because we talked for my other podcast recently, but um, you sound like, you know, there's still some of that sexual spark there it's still very very it sounds like it's still very very active in you even though the sex may have changed well you know first off i have to say that sex sexuality for me has you know it's always been emotional as much as been physical mean like i have to be like mentally stimulated like i there's something about the person that i'm with they have to like they have to turn me on mentally it can't just be a physical thing i i've done it it's not fulfilling it's not worth it's not worth my time but there are people that i know a lot of people that it it's fine with them physical only is cool it gets them off i just for me it just it doesn't work so i appreciate that you recognize that sexual energy because there it is still here because i'm still you know i still feel emotions and i still feel that I can express emotions, even though like I have something when we talked about this before the, the, this podcast, but I have something, you know, like this condition with lupus called lupus fog. And a lot of people, um, with, with fibromyalgia and, and other, um, other, uh, uh, rheumatoid, uh, related, uh, diseases, they, they experience that kind of, um, you know, fog that unfortunately it impedes the way that they communicate and i know it impedes the way i communicate and it's very hard for somebody who had such a like incredible photograph photo excuse me photographic memory to you know go from that to that but you know you you learn to accept where you are and who you are and and i think with sexuality you know, okay, I may not be having sex four times a day, but it doesn't make me less of a sexual being, right? And, you know, it, I think no, the way that you're, you see yourself really helps your partner, you know, see you as well. 
I think that communication is so important, you know, because, you know, asking for what you want, sometimes you have to because, you know, I've been with my partner a long time and, you know, he was with me prior to me being disabled. So he's been, he's known me before and he's known me after. I mean, we were, you know, I mean, we had our honeymoon phase, but we had the post-honeymoon phase too. I mean, you know, he would take me on the dining room table, on the refrigerator, you know, everywhere. So, like, there was not one part in our apartment that he wouldn't take me on. Sorry for the people who have eaten over at my apartment, but it was a different table. It's a new table now. (laughs) Um, But anyway... I assure you, I'm a very clean person. Um, But, you know, the spontaneity is very important. And I think, you know, being disabled, some of that spontaneity is, is depleted. And, and, you know, it, 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 it isn't, you know, it's sort of like, you know, you know, having to adjust to, you know, wearing a condom, like it's, it's, you know, we're in a monogamous relationship, so we don't have to worry about that. But, you know, the things like getting back to like my illnesses, am I like, I, I, you know, I'm on an immunosuppressant type of infusion that I get monthly. So, you know, he knows like, don't, don't, you know, don't talk about that. Like, like yeah, please let's like, like he knows don't, you know, don't talk about. Sure. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So, so talk to us about kind of, kind of your, well, continue the story with your partner and finish that. But I want to get into also the, you know, how, how the disability and all the drugs and all the things that you're dealing with have changed your, your perception as a disabled person, even though you don't see yourself as one, and you know, you are, um, in some respects, how that's changed your your sex life or your, because like I said, the sex drive is still there, but I want to know, I want to understand. And I think the audience might want to understand how having illnesses like this, um, affects the practicality of sex. Well, like I've, you have all this stuff, right? Can your partner still take you on the dining room, dining room table? Yeah. Um, yes, but it has to be a little more coordinated. Um, (laughs) it has to be like, you know, it's basically like, you know, we have to draw a diagram, you know, sort of, I mean, I'm, I'm making light of it, but yeah, it's, yes, he can take me on the dining. He could take me on the coffee table, you know, but it needs to be, there has to be some more planning involved. Um, but I'll get to that in a second. Just want to address what you just brought up because I think it's really important too. I mean, you know, my different, I would say that my my spinal stuff hasn't impeded anything, but you know, starting with the the kidney cancer, I you know, with kidney cancer, the treatment there's no um, there's no oh my god, uh, I, there's no chemotherapy and there's no radiation. I couldn't think of the word radiation. Are you having a, a lupus? I am. Thank you. Um, so there's there's no chemotherapy radiation. The treatment for kidney cancer is that they they do surgical removal of, like I said, either the partial or the full, you know, uh, or full nephrectomy. 
the partial or, 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 or full removal of a kidney. And, you know, that gave me a condition called um, uh, benign prostate enlargement. And, uh, or I'm sorry, that's not the right word. Um, it, it's BPH, but of course I can't think of what that stands for. And, you know, that, that, you know, starting with that, I think I started to know, notice my, um, my physical drive start to decline. And, um, then with the lupus, you know, some of the medications I was taking, had um, started to impede my sexual activity as well, um, you know. And actually, one of the one of the before I before I started these infusions, which I've only been doing for six months now, I was on methotrexate, which is actually a chemotherapy drug, but it works. It's very effective in treating um, people with RA rheumatoid arthritis and people with lupus. And unfortunately, it set it. It has a side effect of setting off um, liver enzymes, and and it can be very detrimental to your liver. So I had to go off of it. But it, I definitely noticed a a huge decline in my sexual drive um, when I was on the methotrexate and with the with the pituitary um the benign tumor they're benign unfortunately i love to use the word benign but a pituitary tumor just so just to educate people just because it's benign doesn't mean it cannot wreak havoc on your pituitary and it does wreak havoc on because the pituitary controls a lot of your hormones so it did lower my testosterone a great deal um because it raised one of my hormones called prolactin, which, you know, that's a, a hormone that women are, that, that, that women, or that rise in women when they're pregnant. So you could just imagine that the, the, my, I mean, my testosterone was like way below normal. And, you know, I, I didn't do the testosterone replacement because, I was doing the prolactin inhibitor and that actually helped bring the testosterone back into like, even though it's not very normal, it's like borderline normal, but that all plays into sexual health and, and sexual drive. Exactly. Yeah. So all this stuff that was happening to you and, you know, we as queer men, have such a, such a, such a, what is the word I want? I'm having, I'm having fog now too. It's probably an aesthetic of how our sex is supposed to be. Yes. And you, you have lupus fog by osmosis now. Sorry. It's, it's not, I assure you it's not contagious, but you never know. You yeah, never that's know. Right, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we have such an aesthetic as queer men of how we're supposed to be. There's such, there's such this problematic vision of gay, of gay and queer men as like men and mainly and all these things. And I'm sure when you were going through all these treatments, you know, you didn't, you didn't exactly feel that. Is that, would that be correct? Absolutely. I mean, I think how you view yourself, at least for me, 
um, you know, it definitely comes across. Um, I would have to say that I put a lot of my, you know, I get most of my energy in the morning and I put a lot of energy into, you know, like I, when I go to my, like I, I put all, I see quite a few doctors per month to, you know, for my continuity of care and just to manage my, my, you know, illnesses. But I like to, you know, I like to look good when I go to the doctor's office and no, not to flirt with them, but just to look, you know, like, I don't want, like, I, I, you know, I, I feel it's important to try. (laughs) What you're saying is you, you, you wear them. What you think? What you saying is you, you you come on? What you're saying is you wear those sweatpants to show off your balls. Don't don't lie. No no it's no. It's okay no. if you want to do that. That's all right. You, no, you did tell us earlier that you have a big dick. It's all right. No 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 no. I never said that. I said I had a camel toe. I never said I had a big dick. I said it was thick. I didn't say it was big. There's two different. There's two. Well, anyway. Um. You 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 did you said you said. <laughs> Let's play back the tape now. Come on. Um, See, it's fun to flirt with the guests on the podcast. Yes, you just put. Well, I. I'll play it back for you after. Please, uh, please, please. That I was misrepresenting myself. Okay, I'll admit I'm not afraid to, to I mean, say when I'm wrong. When, <laughs> when you, when you were going through all this stuff, when you know, when you go to see the doctors, do you feel? comfortable as a disabled person going through all this stuff talking to your doctor about sexual health and talking about like hey so doctor my sex drive is down and i'm not really feeling like i want to fuck my partner today and i don't like is that a conversation that you feel now having gone through so much of this with your health that you're comfortable having or is that still weird for you i would say that Possibly at first, I felt it was weird. And one day, I, I, I don't know, I don't, again, I don't want to be really aloof here, but I just really got over it because I realized that there was no, like, you know, these are the people that could help me and these were the people that were responsible for, you know, for, for me, like, to continue to keep thriving and living and, you know, having good sexual health is a part of that too. So, you know, maybe in the beginning I would say things like my, you know, I need to talk about my wee wee or, you know, I mean, no, I I wasn't that bad, but, um, you know, I would probably, I probably, or I still probably, I make it, I, I, it's very clinical. I would have to say it's very, Oh, I'm sorry, I missed that. Yeah, but please tell me you don't call your dick wee wee. No, 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 I don't. No, but I do use the word penis. You know, um, I, you know, I do talk about, you know, about, you know, I am in. I have to say, my doctors are very encouraging about me having sex. You know, the only person that I have to say, and I really hope that. Um, you know, my mom, you know, she's still alive. My mom is, my mom is a character. I have to say my mom, you could do a whole show about my mom. Um, she, you know, there, there's a notion. 
I think when it comes to people who are disabled, that you could physically harm them during sex, like physically hurt them. Like, of course, not on purpose, but like, I don't want to be treated with kid gloves. Like, I want to be treated like I, I used to be well, treated, maybe, well, right? Well, maybe, maybe. Maybe on purpose, though. I mean, maybe I like it. You don't know. Well, maybe. maybe. Just a little bit on purpose, though? Maybe. Maybe. But, you know, like, I don't want that to go through my partner's mind. You know, like, I want him to be as comfortable as I am. Like, I, like, sex is sex. And you can, you could be aware of somebody's disability, but doesn't mean you have to treat them any differently. You know, being aware and, and the way that you and treat them are two different things. And, you know, we, we communicate about it, but it doesn't mean that he's not still, it still doesn't run through his mind. You know, I mean, basically we've, our, I mean, everybody has like a different arrangement, I would imagine, with, with their partner. And our arrangement is, you know, he, he which, I, which I don't appreciate all the time, but he tends to take more of the passive role. Like, you know, when you want to have sex, just let me know. And, I, you know, I'm there. You know, we don't have to make an appointment. We'll just do it. You know, like that is spontaneous, right? And, you know... He so we tried to make it sexier than that. So our cue now is if I, you know, come out of our, you know, we in Manhattan we don't have real bedrooms. We have what we call junior bedrooms. If I come out of my of our junior bedroom naked into the living room, that's our signal that we have to, you know, it's time to have sex. So, you know, we all have our own cues, and that's ours. It's a pretty. That's a pretty steamy signal there. That's yeah. a pretty steamy, uh, hey, hey, so... <laughs> I mean... It's a pretty... It's a pretty it's a pretty hot... Uh, that's a pretty hot visual there, actually. So. Well, you know, it's... It, you know, it's... There's so, some... Yeah. There, there are times... I mean, one of the reasons that I try to, like, you know... I try to look my best going to the doctor's office. First of all, I don't want a lecture from them because I've gotten it from them before. Like, I don't want the, you know, lecture about nutrition and whatever, you know. But, you know, it's important for me to feel like I think sex, sexuality is really or tied into this, but I feel like it's... It, to me, this isn't vanity, but if you try and look as good as you can, then you feel as good as you can. And that, to me, helps helps me. It works for me and, and, and it may not work for other people, yeah. but it works for me. And I, I, I try, you know, I, I try to, to be as sexy as possible. Totally. You know? I, think it's, I think feeling... I think... And I think you should. I think feeling good about your disability and feeling good about your sexuality and feeling good about all the things you're contending with right now and have been for years is is key to keeping your so you know keeping your sexual energy high and never forgetting that you still used to fuck celebrities in parks. So I mean, <laughs> I never said I mean, fuck. That, that I never said fuck. Oh, God, so no. I think. 
That wasn't that wasn't only. Let me just put it. Let me let's just set the story straight here. I was. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I, fucking I, me, like. Well, though no, I was, I wasn't a, only a fifteen-year-old horn dog. I was a twenty-one-year-old horn dog, a twenty-five-year-old horn dog, a thirty-year-old horn dog, a thirty-five-year-old horn dog. I mean, that that you know, there's there that you know there that horn dog is still here. So. I just don't do it in parks anymore. Yeah, I, I know. I, I know. We've been semi-flirting for the last... Well, maybe you should give it a shot. Yeah. There's, there's disabled access stalls. Grab one. Uh, yeah, no. I. You know, um, no. It just... You know, I had my time. And I'm grateful for my time. And, you know, it's... You know, it. it's like you... You, you know... I I appreciate that it was there for me, you know, and I'm grateful, you know, for the experiences. But you know, at a point, you know, you you get what you can out of an experience. Of course. And so, lastly, Peter, it's been great having you as a guest. I want to I want to get you to um, tell anybody going through, you know, going through the process of quote becoming disabled because there's there's a big lot of people who are experiencing illnesses and disabilities later in life that just going to happen and they don't know they don't really know how to navigate that so what would you tell other queer men or people people who are navigating disabilities and are worried that they might lose their sexuality what would you what advice would you give them well that's a my that's uh <laughs> It's, um, I feel a lot of responsibility in answering this question. Um, I would say no matter what you're going through, never lose yourself because you always have yourself, um, that there are going to be days that are going to be trying and there are going to be days where you feel like the most unattractive person in the world. And that's okay. That's okay. And it's okay to, to have those days. And, and what's worked for me is I've learned to be, with the help of a very good therapist, I have to add. And I, I have to give her lots and lots of credit for helping me manage my health. Um, that you know, the most important thing to remember is that, um, you know, you're still, you know, your body may be different. You may have to approach things different, but you always still have yourself. And that compassion that you show yourself and to be okay with certain things is something that 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 you you learn and you learn at different times and and people some people learn it faster some people learn it slower and and I, I wouldn't say I was one of the faster learning people because I didn't want to accept you know not not being as sexually charged as I used to be um, but you know it, it, it's okay there's 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 so many things that I mean like I said earlier, you know, that, that emotional and mental 
sexu- sexuality is, is to me is just as hot as, you know, having sex in the dining room table or, you know, at 15 in a park, you know, it's, it's, it could be sexy and hot, you know, and, and that they, they, you know, human touch and that, that is a lot of comfort and, you know, don't, I mean, I, I can't tell you how to feel. I can't tell anyone how to feel, but I try not to define myself by my disability because I'm so much of a, so much of a, of a person, you know, in addition to that, I mean, of course it's, it's hard to forget and, and what drives me crazy is, you know, as good as I try to look, when people say, when I, when I confide in someone, you know, um, that I have lupus or what, what are my merit, very, very things they, and they tell me, but I, but you don't look sick. It, it's almost, it's almost a compliment and infuriating at the same time. So, you know, that's why it's very important that you have to love yourself and accept exactly. yourself for who you are. And, you know, there, there may, there may be differences in that. And, and you just have to find what your, your, you know, you, you, you have to search your soul and and your, and your body, you know, what, what your desires are and you should, express them and, 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 and try to communicate your wants and desires to your partner because communication is so important. And, and as you brought up earlier to, to your doctors, and if you ever have questions, I mean, your doctors are key to, to helping you and guiding you. And, and also there, there are support groups out there for all different types of, of disabilities. And I think that's important as well to have that sense of community. You would be surprised how little um, doctors know about sex and disability. I've talked to a few of mine and they are very, they're very ignorant to the realities of sex and disability, at least from from my experience. Well, why? I mean, just I mean, here's I'll ask you a question. Why do you think that is? Do you think it's just something they don't feel they have to? It's not. It's not like appropriate to their. Um, okay, I'm getting the lupus fog again. To their specific, you know, trade, whether it's you know, like if they're like a, a cardiologist. I'm just giving examples here. A rheumatologist. You think it's because of that, or do you yeah, think it's something think- they don't want to speak about? I think it's a little bit of both. I think the the medicalization of disability and the medicalization of the body removes them from any intimacy with the patient. So what I mean by that is that, that it's difficult. For, and I brought up I brought up sex recently because I'm going through some health issues of my own right now where my sex life has had to be put on hold, which for me as a horny 32-year-old is horrible. Mm. But I've had to say to the doctors... When do I when do I get to have my sex life back? And you see them go either white as a ghost or beat red, unsure wow. of what to say next because they don't know, and it terrifies them to think that this this crippled kid is gonna be you know fucking it it, it, it terrifies them to think 
that I'm going to be fucking some dude on a dining room table or that I would want to or that somebody would want to be. But you can just tell that they're so uncomfortable and they don't know what to do. Wow. So have you, I mean, in those instances, I mean, is it even like feasible or is it even possible to think about getting or seeing another doctor or would that, is that something that you've not considered? I don't think it's even a case of having to go see another doctor because you know, with all your stuff, finding a specialist and finding all these things takes months and time. It uh, does. And sometimes you just want to, you just want to figure out what's going on. And so you almost have to desexualize yourself. Yeah. You almost have to desexualize yourself to get it is, get what it is you want out of the experience. Um, and just to get the doctor to help you. So, I mean, I've done that. Uh, but I, I definitely understand. I think what you're saying about loving yourself and finding that support is really, really important. And I want to, I want to thank you, Peter, so much for being so vulnerable today and telling your story and sharing your, your time with us and sharing your experiences of illness and disability and how you're navigating that as a queer, sexy 47 year old man. Um, and I am going to go off the air and ask you which celebrity you slept with in a park. Mm. But thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, you're welcome. I loved having you. I appreciate and we'll talk it. Again soon. I appreciate it. And thank you for having me. And thank you for for sharing your your thoughts and and your and your limitations and 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 what you're going through now too. I appreciate that. It was a great conversation and we'll be in touch soon. Thanks so much. So there you have it. There's my interview with Peter Morley, an individual living out of Manhattan, a queer man with lupus, kidney disease, and a whole host of other sexy things. He really does know how to make that discussion pretty sexy. And I enjoyed talking with him and I also enjoyed that he allowed himself to share that story with an audience. I think it's really important and I think these conversations need to happen more if you want to come on the show and talk to me about your disabilities or your experience with sexuality and chronic illness or disability please please feel free to send me an email at andrew at andrewgerza.com and i would love to connect with you thanks for listening to this episode of disability after dark the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability if you like what you hear and want to hear more, read my blogs or book me to bring disability to you, head over to www.andrewgerza.com. Also, if you're listening to this in iTunes, please rate and review us so more people can find the show. Copyright Notice This program was created and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations. Any and all materials, including graphics, Music and audio recordings are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. 